Geeks. Geeks. Hello and welcome. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Way more than makes up than last week's intro. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 67 of Geeks, the world's number one entertainment podcast recorded in this room. I'm your host, Dal White, and joining me today for a little fireside chat, Bruno Gentofanti. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, and you? Yeah, I'm all right. Not too bad. We've got a new setup today. Um, so if you're just listening to this podcast, head over to YouTube, type in Tessellate and Geeks, and look on our feed, and we have a little video version up. We're going to be showing off some of the Amiibos, um, stuff like that. Probably not going to bother with this setup again, because <laughs> it took me a little bit too long. Oh, buddy. It looks very good. You left like halfway it. through the podcast last week, I remember. Yes. So it's nice. We get you the whole time this time. Yes. You know, please don't leave me on my own. No, I'll <laughs> be here. it's just me talking to myself. I'll be here tonight. How's your week been? What have you been up Has to? Has been good. I've been working, dealing with some, yeah, work stuff. Uh, also, we are still working on How to Be Human. Final three weeks. The last three weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means Probably you three. Yeah. sound and effects still. Sound, we did ADR yesterday. We still have one more session of ADR. Music is going very well. It's going very exciting now. Nice. He's a very cool guy to work with, Mim. Uh, he's from Iran and he's based in there. And we are working online sort of together and it's very cool. He's using some typical sounds and and let, let, let's see what's going to happen. And then... Yeah, color grading is happening, visual effects. We are starting to get the pieces together. It's very nice. It's very nice. It's very he's in, and he's in Iran yes. doing the music for now? Oh, cool. Yeah. So you never met him? It's one of those film relationships yes. where you work with someone. Yes. And uh, he's a very cool character. A very nice guy. It's really cool, isn't it? Like, and surreal. Like, I'm working with my storyboard artist. He's doing, like, creature design. So I'll just show you some for our film. And, yeah, I've never met him. He's just, like, I think he's in, he's in America somewhere. But it's just mm. strange, these relationships you get with people. Hmm. Well, you never meet them, and it's purely for email and maybe some Skype at some point or something. Hmm. It's an interesting job. No, it's very cool. The tricky part for me was uh, is learning is to give feedback, written feedback for music, which is is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we are planning to have a sort of like Skype call. Yeah. So that that would be cool. But so far, has been more writing about the themes, about what the characters are going through. And it's nice that he he listens to it, but he also bounces back some extra ideas. So it's, it's very nice. It's yeah, very yeah. good. That's what you want. Yeah, I find it like, it's my number one rule with most relationships. It's like, get out of text and get out of email. You want a phone call or you want to be in person. Mm-mm. Because it's just like, it's so hard to interpret how people are. The amount of things where I read into is someone pissed off or it's like, and people think I'm pissed off about something just because you're abrupt one time or whatever. It's like impossible to know how something was written. Mm-mm so many fucking arguments man <laughs> just because of that stuff it's okay i try to now always make sure you're touching base on the phone or something but that said yeah this guy I'm sounds good guy, we just, yeah we will know uh we're probably gonna see it soon cool all right so we'll keep um yeah we're gonna do i think next week la is doing this podcast but maybe the week after we can join us again here and we can catch up see where you're at yeah. see what's going on hopefully yeah. i'll get to see a cut of it by then. yeah and actually last one i I told you that it was on the 21st of April. Actually, it's 27th of April, our premiere okay. at the Sci-Fi London Film Festival. And it's showing before the film Caught. 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 Which is the premiere of the film. Cool. Uh, one of the producers of Moon. Moon, yeah. Moon. Yeah. yeah. 
one of his new films. So I see. Um, am I going to get to see a cut of the film before the festival, or do I have to? Yes, come to the festival for the first we time? have a screening. We have a uh, probably one or two private screenings awesome. before. Don't tell people. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. This is for for the people that helped us through the process. Okay. Are all going to be like invited for it. Okay. On the crowdfunding and also friends of crew and crew and this sort of stuff and you know so I can sneak it. into that. Yes, cool. You're part of it. Awesome. <laughs> um, I've been mostly playing Zelda <laughs> and <laughs> editing. That's been it. Literally since I saw you about what five days ago, and as you come through the door now to the podcast, I realized oh I haven't like. I mean, I've seen people, but I haven't interacted with anybody <laughs> for like five to six days. I've just been, yeah, in here editing the film, uh, which I'm pretty happy with. Like, we're, we've got the three-hour version right now, and nice. now comes the fun slash impossible bit of making yeah. it yeah, an hour and 45 or less, ideally, but it'll probably be an hour and 45. I usually find that the, the first round an hour is easy, this first one. Yeah. Because you start to see very, like, this is great. This is not great, and it's hard to check clean. Yeah, and then the it gets really it, tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I feel like you really have to jump on. Yeah, my thing with editing is like that first edit is boring but easy, which is what I just did. In yeah. terms of, well, it's just what footage do you have? Yeah. Like, what possibilities do you have? Yeah. Normally, you're not going to have too many possibilities. Mm. So, other than a few scenes, you're just literally dropping stuff in and fitting it into what the narrative is for you as mm. a director. And then the second time you come back, it's much harder but a mm. lot more fun. Because then it's like, okay, now I don't care about anything. How do I rip it apart? But I think you're right. If you don't nail it, like, or get close, you're obviously never going to nail it on your second mm -hmm. edit. But if you don't get into the region of nailing it on your second edit, then, yeah, it gets really hard again on that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah. eighth. Because you just gradually... Oh, look, our background just changed. Nice. <laughs> some monsters in there. You can see some of the creature designs. And you can see my backdrop. There's Alberto. There's Ali. There's Tanro poking in. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Back. YouTube, for just giving people a look at my entire desktop. Um, well, I'm glad you could join us, man. Yes. We're gonna, we got some interesting news this week, which mm. I'm excited to get to. And like I said earlier, in front of us got some Amiibo. We did our Switch review last week, and I want to kind of do some more feelings about it now since we've had a week to get used to it. Uh, but I'll get to that when we get to the news. Yeah. And some people were saying that they wanted to know a bit more about the Amiibos. Cause Even about like the name, do you know why it's called Amiibo? Amiibo? Yeah. Um, well, it's just because you had the Wii with the double I. And then if you created your own version of that, you had the Me. And then I think they were just doing like a... Well, I don't know. I feel like it's like a spin on Amigo and Amiibo, like taking that Me thing. You've got a double I in there as well, don't you? I think. Oh, I, don't know I don't remember. I oh, know, it's Nintendo, man. They have weird names. That's the explanation. And then each game have their own... You want me to explain these to you then? Yeah, How basically. So Amiibo, there's hundreds of them. I think there's like 250 maybe at the moment or something out there in the wild. And they are... Um, they essentially have like a little chip. They're just toys, you know, like dumb toys like Skylander or something. But in Nintendo, so they have like a curated sort of... They don't curate everything to one style like Disney did their Infinity game. This isn't for one game. So Nintendo kind of jumped on that Skylander's Disney Infinity Lego um, universe, whatever it was called. And uh, they created these, and they have a little chip in the bottom, so you can scan them into games. So on the... Let me just pop this out. Oh, food is here. On the Nintendo Switch, you just pop them on top of these thumb pads, and it will scan it in. Which means you, that you can have the this, this character or this next level. Hang on, you got the fan. Mm -hmm. 
we tend to have too much food so what does it mean it depends on the game they can use them how they want to so some games don't use them at all other games uh, well a lot of games don't use them at all some games just use proprietary ones to that game zelda for instance you can use all amiibos on zelda you can use them i think just once a day um and basically when you're playing the game you pull out a special rune um like you have different runes in zelda and you pull out one that's your amiibo It'll show you where you're scanning it to. You scan in any regular amiibo in Zelda, um, and you're going to get a, a bunch of just items, just regular items, yeah. whether it's food or a chest with some money or whatever, to give you a little bonus. I'm not going to do any spoilers still on Zelda because people are still discovering that game, but there are particular ones, amiibo out here, which are Zelda ones. They're very particular ones, like the one I'm holding right now, that give you very, very cool things. Nice. Like very cool things. Our pizzas are here. I like this one. Uh, singing a song. That's a good question. Can I even sing a song? What does it mean? What does mean? Okay. I actually wanted to take this sword out, but I I, I felt that it could break. Is it? Is that what I missed? No, you can't take that. Yeah, yeah, it's stuck. Okay. So if you try hard, it basically break it. Yeah, that was part of the Master Edition um, in the US and the sort of regular collector's edition mm -hmm. in the UK. Yeah, yeah, you can't get it out. Um, so yeah, basically you just, yeah, you scan them on stuff and you get some cool stuff, depending on what you get. And the only video game that does that is basically... Yeah, it's all Nintendo. Nintendo's yeah, 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 because you have to have the technology inside the remote. So on, these, on the Switch, they didn't know where to put it because they ran out of space, obviously, with this being the console, and they found, oh, no one's using the inside thumbstick that's a place you could put a chip yep. to scan something, so they put them in on in these. Clever. On the controller, on the Pro Controller, it's kind of right in the middle of it, but you just have to hold it there for a couple of seconds. I was finding it a bit goofy to begin with. Um, but now, yeah, I got used to it. Um, they're really cool. The problem with that... It's the wrong side, I think. the wrong way, man. Hang on. The problem with that, as we talked a bit about last week with Chris, is... It's kind of like, it's not pay to win in any way, but it does some of these, and I'm, again, we're not doing spoilers, but some of these do really change the structure of the game. Mm. Like they do things for you and give you aids or assists or particular gameplay elements, and you're paying for that, you know? And some of these are really expensive now. Like when they first come out, they may be 10 quid or something. Um, but some of these now are rare, and obviously when a game comes out where they want a particular one, then like one of them, like this Guardian one, like it costs a lot of money now to get this Guardian one because people want it because of the stuff it does for your game. So it's kind of it can, I don't know. It can other people use it or it's just yours? You yeah. register and then no. So I know like um, friends at IGN and stuff were saying that's ridiculous. I'm gonna have to turn this off now. <laughs> uh, friends at IGN were saying that because they, a lot of them have amiibos on different desks, so they can uh, use their amiibo and then walk over to someone else's desk and use the same amiibo. Mm -hmm. Um, in the same day so you can just like triple up quadruple up like keep stacking up items and stuff like that great <laughs> oh it, my this god this looks like that Wii game with the background of stock images yeah right? it does looks like once you switch <laughs> alright just turn this shit off I think it's because I'm downloading stuff on my laptop so. <sighs> this podcast is a shambles <laughs> if you're not watching the video version yeah you're missing out on a mess um yeah, I mean, they're really cool, but it is just, it, it, it bothers me in a way that you kind of have to pay for gameplay elements when they should really just be bundled in. Mm -hmm. um, but 
they're really cool. I've kind of allowed myself to only buy Link ones, so only you know the character Link, and then I've bought like the Guardian just because something cool. So just Zelda ones. That's all I'm going to buy because I don't want to go outside of that because it's a fucking it's could a you, deep well. Could you buy the same um, perks online without this? Can you buy interesting on question? The game? Uh, not, I mean, definitely not on Zelda. Not that I know of with other games, but that's an interesting question. If it's like a DLC Micro thing where later on, yeah, someone else could sell. buy it as a microtransaction. No, I don't believe any game yet offers that. I think they're just trying to, this is your microtransaction. Is mm-hmm. Go and buy more plastic toys to put in your house <laughs> the Nintendo way. Um, but yeah, they're cool. All right. Shall we get to some news, my friend? Yes. So let's me some news. start this podcast as we do every week with Nate's Blowdown, where we're going to go through some games and movie news. I've mixed them together this week yeah, at a little stew. We have seven items. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one. The Nintendo Switch sold around 1.5 million units in its first week. These are sell-through numbers, which means sometimes they both about these numbers, but it means they just sold them to a shop, but they haven't actually sold them yet. But these are actually sell-through to customers. Uh, it sold half a million in the US, around 360,000 in Japan, 85,000 UK, 110,000 in France. For comparison, the Switch sold 313 units in Japan during the first 48 hours. The Wii U sold 308,000 and the Wii sold 370,000. So not as big a separation point as you'd expect there, you know? Like the Wii, such a huge console, like one of the biggest of all times. Um, and it didn't sell that much more. Then this one, this one didn't sell that much more than a Wii U. But it takes time. So these numbers are kind of weird. Everyone's been boasting about this right now. Nintendo came out to announce that their sales in Europe, Japan, and America have been uh, the company's best ever for the first 48 hours. Um, but it is kind of skewed because it takes time. Like the Wii, it took a few weeks for that to build up the steam and then for it to sell out and then for people to realize it wanted one and they couldn't buy it. And also, am I wrong? But it's not, it was sold out or something, right? They're pretty much sold out most places. Which also, like, yep. doesn't help you to... Yeah, so they've said here that... Um, previously, they said that they plan to ship 2 million units by the th- March the 31st. Um, so, yeah, stock shortages will continue for a bit. I have no idea when the next lot will be coming through, but it's kind of trickling through at the moment. And on Amazon, you well, yeah, absolutely already you have to buy them through. People who have bought them and then they're selling them on. They're costing, like, 400 quid or something, I think, in the UK. So it's nearly twice the price it was at the moment. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, the interesting thing this is the attach rate for games. So 89% of owners have bought Zelda, of course. So nearly 90% of gamers yeah, are buying this just to play Zelda, which is interesting because you can play the same game on the Wii U, albeit not quite as, you know, nine, ten, well, 900p, not as you know like there's a few graphical things that are going on to sacrifice it for wii u but you could if you wanted to like i feel most zelda f- fans own a wii u already but is it the same game exactly the same journey same game yeah yeah huh, um so it's kind of like people are selling a wii u to so then buy a switch then buy play the better version of zelda or if you don't own a wii u or a switch and you want to play the new zelda you could just go buy a really dirt cheap wii u and play it on that for way cheaper than buying a switch um, but it kind of speaks to the marketing that they've mm-hmm. kind of sold as this is the way you play the new Zelda. Um, and how do you feel now? Is it something that you think that the console which helped with the 
experience of playing the game or do you think that could be another one and not the same? I think in terms of gameplay, I mean, I'm playing with a pro controller and if I played on the Wii U, I'd play with a similar controller to that. So that wouldn't be really any difference. I mean, for me, yeah, like the, that little extra fidelity from the Switch, a little bit more HD, a little bit better draw distance, music's mm -hmm. like quality is a little bit better for sound and stuff. Um, yeah, it's worth it because Zelda's such a great game. But, you know, if this if the Switch hadn't come out, which it very well could not have, we weren't expecting mm -hmm. a new Nintendo console, you know, until they suddenly unveiled it. Um, I would have been very happy playing this on the Wii U, you know, like it still would be an incredible game. Mm -mm. Um, so yeah, don't know. Like it's doing very well. People are buying it. Have you used these already? Going to a coffee shop? Have you tried on the Uber? Like, where have no. you tried this? Oh, no, 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 no. I've been playing. So, I, I mean, that's what's, what I'm enjoying about the Switch. So, there's a lot of problems with the Switch already, do And we hear a lot of them last week. Um, but what I'm enjoying with it is just the conversation around it. So, all the podcasts I'm listening to and my Twitter feed and friends, like, people who've bought it are using it in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, for me, like, we reviewed it last week and we kind of said that. As a console, it fails because it's very underpowered. But, you know, just to play Zelda through or just to play Mario Odyssey when that comes out, great. As a handheld, it's the experience I want, I think, as a handheld. But not that I think most people will because it's too big. The battery life is too short. Um, and it's very, you got to, like, protect this thing that you're taking around because it's premium. But I've heard so many people who are never playing it on their screen. And even when they're at home, they're still playing it in handheld mode. So that either their partner can watch stuff at the same time or just because the stability of Zelda is actually better if you play in handheld. There's no frame rate issues and stuff like that. So a lot of people are just opting to play it handheld and take it to bed and play it that way. Um, like I said last week, it kind of hurts my hand a little bit if I play in bed. So if, if I go to bed, I'm just taking the dock through and I just plug it into the TV mm -hmm. and keep playing um, there. Um, but I'm really enjoying my time with it. Like I really am. But my time with it is just Zelda. Like Snipper Clips, I'm loving. That's a great game. And if you're on a Switch, definitely go buy Snipper Clips. Um, but you need someone else to, to play that with. Um, and I've tried every other game out there. One, two, Switch, like you said last week, is like, that's fun to try once, but then I'm not going to sit around playing one, two, Switch and milking a cow by myself in a room. So for me, it's just a Zelda machine. And I'm fine with that. Like it is a system seller and it's been a long, I think not since Halo 1. Have we had a game at launch that's a system seller? You know, you'll mm -mm. buy that console mm -mm. just for that game. Right. And for Mario's later. Yeah, for Mario. Yeah, you got the promise of stuff later. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll get to that actually a bit later in the news. Number two is Godzilla. So we reported last year that a feature length animated Godzilla movie is in the works, um, which I found interesting because there's a Sony doing a live, uh, sorry, an animated feature Spider Man film that they're going to send to screens, like to cinemas, which I find very, very mm. strange. Like, mm. where does that fit in with the whole mm. Marvel? I don't know, strange. Um, so yeah, Godzilla are doing it. Uh, it's going to get, uh, it's produced by Japanese anime studio Polygon Pictures. It'll be out later this year and it will have a theatrical release in Japan. But in the US and the UK and the rest of the world, it's going to debut on Netflix. Uh, it's directed by Koban Shizunu, who did Knights of Sidonia and Hiroki Seshita. Uh, who did Asian, and it's written by Gen Urubachi, who did Psychopaths. The film promises to, and this is a quote, offer an epic reimagining of the Godzilla world of the future. Uh, you can follow more details on the Godzilla anime Twitter account at Godzilla underscore anime. Um, they got some images up there from development, and they look pretty cool. I'm actually, I think this is going to end up being shit, 
but I'm actually really excited because <laughs> I love Godzilla <laughs> and I love anime and the idea of like like if Spider-Man big feature film in animation I'm excited about like as long as it's 2D not 3D that's a good point I don't know if they're doing this in that you know that weird 3D cell shaded so it looks 2D but it's mm. actually 3D I hate that I don't know if they're doing that with this um, but yeah Netflix are all excited that they've managed to snap that up as an exclusive so uh, PlayStation Now. Sony will be bringing PS4 games to PlayStation Now. The streaming-only service currently offers around 480 PlayStation 3 titles, uh, depending on your region, and it will now be adding PS4 games with a private test starting in the next few weeks. Sony is also dropping hardware support for the PS3, Vita, and TVs, meaning that the service will eventually only work on the PS4 and Windows PC. Uh, this news came hot on the heels of Microsoft unveiling last week uh, Xbox Game Pass, which will let Xbox One owners download over 100 Xbox One and 360 titles for 9.99 a month. So, Bruno, I've never used PlayStation Now. You said you've used it? The PlayStation Now? Yeah. Yes. I, I, well, I did a trial. I think it was a trial or something. Mm -hmm. How did that work for you? I didn't like it. Because, <laughs> yeah, because of this, it was only games that I... Maybe it's not what I would like to play now. Is it because they're old games, or did you have a problem... With the streaming or no there was just basically i felt were like very old games mm -hmm. which it's fun sometimes but it's not what i was on the mood you know it was like pay, playing really old games yeah and it it is funny that i have these nostalgic feelings like sometimes that i want to play some old old games but actually when i start playing I don't don't like enjoy as much as I thought. It's like once I was gonna watch Thundercats, thinking it would be amazing. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, it's not the same when you go back. No, it's not. And and and, and I felt like the same. I think it's, um, yeah, certain things I wanted to move on. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like if Netflix on the subscription only had you know. 60s, 70s films and had nothing for Which now. is what it's it is, of, really. Plus, yeah. like, that's what I feel even with, like, Netflix and Amazon films, actually, is that I think it's just a lot of... Too many old films. Old stuff. And then some new stuff that that that, that they are making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's no, no... like. I think increasingly you, they spend their licensing money on their own content. Exactly. If you want to... If, if you really want to watch films, that's not a place to watch films. It's a place to watch their own content and their yeah. series. Um, but with but Sony, it was very disappointed. But at least films don't age the same way like games do antiquate very yes. quickly. Yeah. So it's hard to go back to a last generation or a last, last generation of games. Mm. Um, yeah, I was thinking because a lot of people had trouble with the streaming, which is something all you know the companies want to push to. It's just streaming games. Mm -hmm. um, I bought the console, the OnLive, a couple of years ago, which was the world's first, like, everything was streaming. So you just jumped into a game and mm. played it and you had, like, a map of the world with people... Like lots thousands of screens of people playing and you could just jump in and watch them. That was my favorite thing. Which is like at any point you could just jump in and see what people are playing, you know. Um, which was kinda of like Twitch, I guess, but they curated it nicely. Um, but it didn't it's just it's it's not very satisfying streaming. There's always lag problems or there's visual problems, whatever. So I mean, with PlayStation now adding PlayStation four games to its roster, does that interest you more to subscribe to something like that? Because you'll have newer games, like this generation games. I think so. Yeah. It's because I, I'm not really that type of person that buys many games and finishing them. Mm -hmm. I just like to have a fun little just bit. Just be able to jump in and out. Yes, and try some things. So for me, that would be cool because I can just jump without 
thinking, oh, I spent 50 quid in this, now I want to finish. I just, I, I, so basically, one of the reasons that I love playing games is just to keep me not too far from what's happening. Hmm. If I want to be a part of the conversation. Basically. Exactly. And also, even thinking about like my like brain and, and how it works, if you stop keeping in touch with that sort of stuff, gets to a point that this gap yeah, you just it becomes quite big. Yeah, and then you don't, you know. And I don't want to have this distance from things that are changing and uh, from things that are like actually. That's a really like good storytelling point. because this is like storytelling. In the, in yeah, the, the day. Even if you're not going to play much of the games, just to be able to jump in and out of fifty yeah. games or whatever, whenever you want, like is exactly or four hundred and eighty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. But I guess for people they like to have the pointers and I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it, it that's not me anymore. Maybe like maybe like one game would really really like inspire. Yeah, they should do something like where it streams but you can download one a month or something so you can actually get the full, you know, fidelity of something properly. Cuz that's the one thing Xbox is definitely going to Yeah, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. Like which cuz mm-hmm. I don't think enough people notice PlayStation now. They didn't do a good job of marketing it and mm-hmm. talking about it. It just kind of popped up one day. Mm-hmm. Um and actually I remember that I didn't like much of the I didn't find that very user friendly. The UI was a bit difficult. Yeah, it was I I can't remember what was it, but I just remember that it wasn't really like enjoyable, wasn't easy to find or something. Like when you get inside, like I I was getting lost in in the games, and then comes a bunch of games that right okay that like and it's all like eight bit sort of games sort of yeah, seems yeah. like, and I was like, man, when is gonna find one cool that I can Something just that you want. Yeah. so if they do this and it's like yeah simple PS4 section you can just go into and you can just look at the new games or something then maybe yeah that's nice okay. just to taste it you know so that's gonna be yeah there's a private test starting in the next few weeks but it'll be later in the year when it actually goes live so you have to let us know if you try it out later <laughs> how it is uh, number four James Cameron oh boy <laughs> my favorite directors uh, he came out last week to announce that avatar 2 won't be coming next year uh, the film had already been pushed back from release this year to next now he's saying quote well 2018 is not happening we haven't announced a firm release date what people need to understand is that this is a cadence of releases so we're not making avatar 2 we're making avatar 2 3 4 and 5 it's an epic undertaking and it's not unlike building the three gorge dam if you can do End it, quote. you can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the thing. If if you, and it's actually interesting. If you can hold the process to make something great, can you make four films at one go? Yeah, man. Man. Like, and they're they're gonna be long films, you know. Yeah. Is he long like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, think, for sure. Yeah. They're gonna be like two and a half hour each. I'm sure. Wow. I'm sure. That's, that's. I mean, but again, it's kind of like making a lot of TV, I suppose. Um, yeah. I'm. I James Cameron's one of those people for me, like Tim Burton. When I was growing up and I was a teenager, he was like an aspiring, like for me, he was the reason I wanted to be a director, like one of those people. Like I love Terminator, I loved Aliens, yeah. I love like The Abyss. And then he just phew, fell off a cliff for me, <laughs> the stuff he's, he's made and his attitude. He's just such a, like, he can just be a real dick about stuff. Um, and Tim Burton's absolutely the same. I used to love Tim Burton when I was young. Now he's just nightmare. Um, are you excited for a new Avatar film? I I liked the first one. 
But do you think, because like people in the first one, it was Lords of the Rings, like you went to, to expos and people were in cosplay, you know, as the Navi yeah. and stuff like that. People loved it. There's whole porn channels to it and stuff. Mm. I think that's how you can tell when something's mm. in the popular culture. But is 10 years too late for a sequel to that? Like 10 years is a long time. And it's not that they needed that for technology or anything. No. It's just like... They, it's just him. They could have, yeah. It's just him. Yeah, he takes maybe. his time. He doesn't need the money, no. for sure. So. Maybe also buy it. Yeah. I'm Get very ready, interested yeah. to see how well those films do. Like, I feel the campaign, like the advertising campaign will be so aggressive. And they'll be, hey, we've got two, three, four, five, like, bam, 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 coming. That it'll probably do very well. But I feel if they just came out with number two right now, people wouldn't care as much. I, I just don't know if... Like Avatar is not like Star Wars in in a sense that you. He's kind of trying to be. Is it? Yeah, like I, think trying that, to I think trying to become a, he wants a to very be strong like franchise. Yeah, for sure. Um, but going like straight into it from the second to the seventh in once instead. It's a lot. Building up, maybe they could have three and then. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't even maybe, really uh, know because the thing is, when you think about something about. like Star Wars, I think about so many characters, and I'm mm. looking forward to catch up on. When I think about Avatar which I wasn't, to be honest, a big fan of, but I appreciate what it did mm. and why people like it. It just wasn't for me. But I don't know really who, who am I looking forward to going back to. Like, other than the lead two people, like, I don't know, well, two creatures. I don't really know what it is I want to go back to. Like, I want to go back for the worlds, you know? It's so like, apparently, the second one's underwater a lot and stuff like that. It's like, cool. That's, but that's what yeah. interests me more. What is your vision for the world? Yeah. Um, but the actual characters is like... Um, no, it, it's not as strong as... Or it's every other franchise. Yeah, I go back to Lord of the Rings to see, hey, how's like Gandalf yeah. doing and how's Frodo and how's Bilbo and how's all these people? Even, even Marvel, it's like, you go back for the characters. Ma- Matrix, even that now I have heard of it. Yeah, they want to do another trilogy because guess what? Their film careers have not gone very well. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Wachowski's like... I mean, they've had a lot of banked money. I'm sure they're doing mm. fine. But they haven't had any success in a long time. Yeah, long they, time. they haven't done something. Yeah, no. Which actually, yeah, it they did Cloud awesome. Atlas last, didn't they? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, then they do this Six Sense. No, is it Sense? No, Sense is Sense Eight, the TV. Six, yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah, which I watched a little bit and never really yeah, you were big, into it. You were a big Wachowski fan, weren't you? Matrix One, uh, I find that super good. Yeah, Matrix One's obviously incredible. Oh, of course they did Jupiter Ascending. That was a bunch of bullshit. Did they direct that? Yeah, so they directed. Yeah, after the Matrix, they did Speed Racer, <laughs> which really was that. I mean, they produced a lot of oh, shit as well. Man. They directed Cloud Atlas, then they directed Jupiter Ascending, and then they directed a whole bunch of Sense8. I didn't realize they were actually directing that. I thought they were just yeah. producing it. But I like them. Uh, I really hope they can come with something good. I just don't know if it's necessary right now. Um, I think they're thinking more about the visual point of view that now you can do so much more. And but I think that, I don't. I, know. I think it's. I think they're yeah. too late. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think because the great thing about the Matrix one was when it came around, it was the perfect time to have that commentary. It was like just two thousand, wasn't it, or ninety nine or whatever. And it was that perfect time to have a commentary on the digital age and on computers and stuff. And now it's like I don't know what more there is to be said that hasn't mm. been said. You know, everything's been said. So I don't know where they go from there, but mm-hmm. we'll find out. <laughs> we will find out. Uh, number five, HBO is creating a miniseries based on the 2016 Trump-Clinton election. Tom Hanks is producing. It'll be based upon the third book in the Game Chain series written by Mark Halperin and John Heinemann, which isn't released until 2018. 
The series will come shortly after the book. Uh, also, as a side note, FX's horror anthology show American Horror Story just announced it will also be covering the 2016 presidential race in its next season, which I thought was a snide, humorous <laughs> remark. Um, how do you feel about these things? People like, like it's so recent and painful, I think, for a lot of people to like turn it into... I don't know. I feel like the HBO one, that'll probably, just because it's HBO, I feel that'll probably treat it, it respectfully. Pr- exactly. It would be probably something um, to help us just see the bigger picture, probably, yeah. more than just like a, you know, a CD documentary. And they are very good on that. I like it. I feel yeah. these things are really signifiers when they come this close, like so fucking close to things happening. I feel they're the signifiers of. Really, what's happening right now? I don't want to get into politics. We try and we've very purposely tried to steer away mm. from all that stuff on this podcast. But I feel like there's a cultural civil war happening right now, and I feel mm. these things let you know like mm. how serious that is and how much it could build to a you know. When I say civil war, I don't mean a bloody violent one mm. like they used to be, but definitely I feel a civil war is is increasingly something that's yeah going to become prescient. Mm. I do think journalism and documentary somehow is getting to a new um a new style of the documentaries which i really like yeah. it's more factual in some things um netflix had one what is it 13th is it 13th about the prison system in system in in in, in in the United States, yeah, okay. and I really like it. It's very factual. It's just, it's just things to help us to see what's happening. It's not that maybe there's nothing new for us, but um, I think with this, um, I just think that we are just seeing what we want to see really recently with mm-hmm. all these ways that um, internet show us things that we're searching for yeah yeah yeah. so this is the sort of thing that can maybe penetrate into other groups of people that are not seeing those things yeah i think that's true because it's quite mainstream somehow like hbo is huge netflix is huge and they do get everyone yeah. Um, when so, it's just right there in front of you when you're surfing through stuff and it's not your Facebook feed and it's not the people you started ignoring because they have different political stances exactly. from you and all that stuff. Uh, even recently I was having a look on Netflix. So I pay for for like five like accounts, you know, these. Yeah. So I share these with my family. So I was recently checking what shows in each one of them. Right. And it's a completely different story. And actually... I was going to the recent ones and it was different and I couldn't find some of them right. from the other one. I just couldn't. I had to search it, but I couldn't browse into it. So it is interesting. And at the same time, I don't like it. If I could choose, like I wish that I actually could choose to be in control of that or just get what is there, what people are actually seeing, not what I usually search for. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. So maybe what I like on this is that they will probably bring some facts and some things and kind of like stop with this idea of 
alternative effect or something, right? That you yeah, just yeah, yeah. Kind of like, well, yeah, it's interesting something like this because it's alternative a fact. Yeah, it's yeah. it could be fact based, but when it's a fictional interpretation yeah, or something, yeah. thing, I don't mean fictional, but you know, yeah. as soon as you're filming something, it's not a documentary. Yeah. This is a fictional interpretation, and I find that something interesting because it is a way to. Yeah, wage war essentially mm. and to yeah like you're saying influence people who wouldn't normally have a window to be influenced um, depending on how they sell it as well if it's just called a Trump Clinton election it's like well you don't know which side that's falling on yet you know mm. or what it's trying to say mm. so it's something that yeah they have a chance to influence which is always good I, I think they're more worried about the next one you know I mean it's just yeah, it's yeah, kind no, of completely. getting ready for the next one that's saying, what I've been well yeah let's not get into politics but hey that's guys, absolutely been my argument let's not do this it's again it's all about the next four <laughs> okay. years it's not about right now exactly uh, number six can you believe Bruno my friend it's been 25 years this year since Reservoir Dogs came out oh, that's me quarter of a century yeah I remember being in boarding school with a VHS copy I'd got from America and I got it confiscated by one of our teachers and then he never gave it back because he was loving it so much. <laughs> uh, but I was like 11 or 12. Mm. Um, Lionsgate and Big Star Games have announced Reservoir Dogs Bloody Days, a video game coming to PC and Xbox One later this year to celebrate the original film's 25th year anniversary. Uh, unfortunately for me, it's a top-down perspective shooter where players must strategically rewind time to control a team of characters as they blast through a variety of heists. So this is how they said it blasting through and you're like mm -mm. a shooter and blah 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 mm -mm. but then here's their quote about it as huge fans of reservoir dogs we're very focused on creating a highly addictive experience that stays true to the tense dramatic vibe of this unforgettable movie by taking control of different characters for overlapping bursts of time players must utilize the strengths of each squad member to carry out the game's missions with every move and shot creating a butterfly effect on the overall outcome so i just like hear their quote and I'm actually kind of intrigued, the idea of playing as different characters, building towards a heist, which is very what GTA V did. Mm -mm. Um, and they said they want to stay true to the tense, dramatic vibe and blah, blah, blah. But the screenshots I've seen, it looks like a shooter, which is not what Reservoir Dogs was. And kind of the beauty of Reservoir Dogs is you never see the heist. Like it's a heist movie. I believe it's the only heist movie in film history where it's, it's a heist movie, but you never see the heist. Like you just see them running away from it mm -mm. after it's gone wrong. Um, so yeah, the idea of turning that you know, as an homage to it, to celebrate 25 years of Reservoir Dogs into a shooter, <laughs> kind of pisses me off, to be honest. Is there any game that was made out of a film that was good? Yeah, definitely. There was actually a Reservoir Dogs game before, if I remember correctly, but that was not good. A very good one is Chronicles of Riddick. Um, there was a Riddick game, which was like a pitch black game, which was very good. That's an excellent game. Um, I'm sure there are other ones. There was that bad Matrix one that was not good. <laughs> Path to Neo, whatever it was called. Um, yeah, we should do a feature on that at some point. Because it's quite difficult research. to get this right. You it know? is really hard. It's, it's not quite as hard, but it's almost as hard as making a good video game mm. movie adaptation. Because <laughs> what I think is often that didn't come from the heart of a gamer. Yep. That started with a world and the, they probably started thinking about gameplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like, okay, this is just like a money thing, like spin-off. You have to I distill it to something. Yeah, so then, then you hire a game company to do this and you give a film. And I don't know, often I think there's not much heart on this. It's yeah. just like, oh, let's just make something for the brand sort of thing. I think once I think films, once you have to distill them down to yeah, one gameplay mechanic, it becomes a problem. I think nowadays it could be better. 
mm. because we have like indie games which embrace short form versions of things and like just walking simulators and like you know games like gone home and firewatch and stuff like that where it's like you can do something more interesting Mm -mm. so it's like why not have a a game adaptation of a movie that's only two hours long Mm -mm. but where it does something different you know where you're in that person's shoes for a little bit and it's not just about shooting things or beaming things up so yeah i think you could do more interesting things now but yeah they don't happen very often sadly um number seven do you think that one of the problems that film filmmakers try to start to, to come with a concept for the gamers instead mm. and they don't have enough uh, um, knowledge about how to have a good game gameplay so they come with a concept by actually yeah mm. yeah i think definitely film producers getting involved yeah they don't have an idea for what's good um like, for instance, yeah, one of the ones that was made at the same time as the film was the King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong mm. one. Um, and that was actually a decent game. They came out launch day, I think, of the Xbox 360. But it was really short. It was like a four-hour game. Um, it was really pretty in the first person. It wasn't like the best game in the world, but it was a decent interpretation. But that was one where I think Peter Jackson had a better grasp on how to adapt that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's one of those things like people making games and people making movies and people making music and people making comics don't normally know what's best for each other's world until someone cracks a way to do that formula you know mm-hmm. like um like just think about how many bad comic book movies there were until christopher nolan came around and then marvel came around to show two very different ways yeah. how you can do this right because it's not about turning pop fiction into a shooting game no well, exactly you know? Pulp Fiction is like, yeah, you could do that. It's a dance simulator. <laughs> you could do, but you'd have to distill like, what's important about Pulp Fiction. You know, it's playing as these different characters, maybe the conversation wheels, talking to people, you know, maybe building tension through different elements. Doom, it doesn't have to be entertainment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's the problem is like, the old interpretation of a game is it has to be entertaining. And now I don't think it does have to be entertaining. It just it can be affecting instead, you know, much like a movie. Like a mm. movie, a movie doesn't have to be entertaining. Mm. That's what we'll get to later on <laughs> when we talk about Terrence Malick. Um, yeah. Uh, here is an entertaining movie though. Thor Entertainment Weekly got to show off Chris Hemsworth's new look in the third solo Thor movie called Ragnarok. He now has short hair. He's got war paint and dual blades. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. It looks pretty cool. Let me get this up for you. Weekly. Yeah, there's a lot of fans haven't been happy about this. A lot of people have been. Here he is. Looking very cool. Um, I'm actually... so I'm, I'm, The Thor movies are the one bit of the Marvel Universe that I do not enjoy. I really don't look forward to them. I'm really excited about this Thor film. I'm going to tell you why, Bruno. Tell me why. Uh, so for this film, Thor is sent to Sakaar, which is a planet, and it's the same planet that there's a big comic series called Planet, planet Hulk um, is set on, and it's kind of like a Hunger Games Battle Royale planet. It's just constant gladiator battles happening on there. Um, but by the time Thor gets there in this film, mm-hmm. Hulk has already been there for a long time, and he's kind of seen as a god on the planet, and he's undefeatable, so he's like their hero. Um, you've now got Tom Hiddleston's back as Loki, but you've also got Kate Blanchett as Hela. You've got Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Jeff Goldblum is going to be in it as a Grandmaster. Um, and they've already announced some uh, some characters in the film that overlap with the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. So there's a potential for sure 
with them warming up to the next Avengers being Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers, which we know they're all going to be together. <laughs> this could be the film that joins those dots. Um, you got Doctor Strange as well. But for me, just the idea of like, they sold it as an intergalactic road trip adventure with Thor and Hulk, which to me sounds fucking great. And it's directed by Taika Waititi, who directed Flight of the Concords. He directed What We Do in the Shadows. Did you see that found footage vampire comedy people loved? And he just directed uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People. It just came out last year with Sam Neill. Um, he's a really great director, like very genuinely very funny. Um, and he addressed some of the film's comic tones that people worried about. And he said, I think sometimes people make uh, the mistake of thinking a tonal shift as we're going to make some ridiculous broad comedy where no one gives a shit and what happens and everyone just gets stoned and sits around talking about saving the universe. But we want people to care about what happens and to care about the hero uh, succeeding. I think tonally it's like a slight shift and I don't feel nervous. I feel very good about it. Uh, Thor Ragnarok will be released on October the 26th in Australia, 27th in UK and November the 3rd in the US. Because for some reason, I don't know if people know this, but we here in the UK get Marvel films a week before the US. Like a full week. Which, considering how big those films are, is very weird. Mm. Why don't you just do a global... I don't, know, I don't know how that happens. Like getting an Avenger movie a week before the US gets it, mm. it's very strange. Is it testing market or something? But why? You don't need to test those movies. Like, mm. you know they're going to... Like I, they I are not going to do any change anyway. No, in a no, week you can't change anything. No. I don't understand. But we still do. We get them a week early every time. So I'm happy for Guardians because we'll be here. I'll be here and we'll be doing a Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler cast as soon as it comes out here. So don't listen to it, <laughs> clearly, until you've been seeing the movie a week later, but it will be out, like, ready. And the final piece of news this week, Bruno. Do you want to do streaming on the Switch? You said last week that was something you're worried about. There's no Netflix, there's no Hulu, none of these services on the Nintendo Switch, so that is a yes. factor in whether or not you want to buy it. Uh, President and COO of Nintendo America, Reggie, has answered about the public's bemoaning the lack of streaming services on the Switch. Here's what he had to say. Oh. With an interview with the Washington Post. He said, We're talking to a range of companies about other services, companies like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, things that will come in time. But what differentiates us is the way you play with the Nintendo Switch and what you can play. And that will continue to be our focus into the future as we continue driving this platform. When he was then pushed about an Amiga launch lineup, he replied, My answer is to look at the games that have been announced and are in development, and that should drive your purchase decision. So basically he said, we don't give a shit. Um, but he said they're talking to these companies. And he does say things that will come in time. But he doesn't promise anything. No. So. But is it promising in terms of games? It's, well, we said this last week. I don't think it is a bad launch lineup. I think looking into the future of what they've announced, that gets me more worried. So what he's saying should give me hope and what other people are saying I should be worried about for me to reverse. I think the launch was actually great. There weren't that many games, but we went through the history of games, launches last week with Chris, and not many games come out on most consoles at launch. They really don't. And to have a game like Zelda straight away and have Snipper Clips, bit of Bomberman, whatever, like there's, there's enough for now. But looking at the future, it's like, well, I got Mario Odyssey. There's a lot of cool little indie games. A lot of cool little indie games. But mm. I need some big, meaty, proper, you know, AAA games. Not many coming. Really not. Like, my, having the new Mario Kart 8, which is the deluxe version of one on the Wii U, like, that's not enough for me. I don't need up, you know, new versions. I need new games. Mm. Splatoon 2, but I wasn't a big fan of Splatoon 1, even though I get why people like it. So for me, looking to the future is a problem with the Switch right now. Like, they need 
way more games. Um, and I'm fine right now because we've got Zelda. But mm. once you have had enough of Zelda... Is there an end <sighs> or is in universe forever Zelda? Zelda, I mean, there's an end. But for instance, I have friends who have put 120 hours into this game and they are 15% through it. Not 50, 15, 1.5%. So this game is... There's so much to do. You can play this for years and years and years, you know. Um, but at some point, you're probably going to get bored or just like... I'm already... I found myself today. I finally... And I'm not... There's no spoilers, so I'm not going to say, but I finally managed to get... There's like one item I wanted in the game so badly, and I've spent maybe five hours trying to get like to that item. Maybe longer. Um, and I finally got it today, and I found myself getting quite angry with stuff. Like, I've been playing so much Zelda, things were finally just frustrating me because what, I was failing. What is frustrating? Is it, is, it, is it difficult? It's is not it? a problem with the game. I was just... Yeah, some of it's very difficult. Like, and that's because it's an open world. It's kind of like, if you go to an area, and then you find you're struggling, don't go there yet, you know? You can still power through and figure out a way, and there's a million adaptive ways to do it, but probably get out and do other stuff, you know, level yourself up, get cool stuff. And then go back again. Um, but yeah, it's really hard. There are places where it's Dark Souls hard, nearly. Like, I, I had to fight something that caused me a lot of trouble. Until, But then there's kind of... There's really ingenious puzzle elements in fights as well. So it's always kind of like someone just, like, went straight ahead with just trying to fight this thing and just came up with potions and food and different ways to do it and the right weapon. And other people find an environmental way to beat them, you know? There's, like, a lot of ways to do something. Um, it's a really, really smart game. Like, I could genuinely spend hours talking about that game. But my favorite thing about Zelda is that everyone wants to talk about it, but no one wants to spoil anything. So I'm listening to so many podcasts of people talking about it, but no one wants to spoil it for everybody. Everyone wants everybody to find things on their own. And it's so rare. Like, with computer games, it's not, well, the next one's coming out next week, which is true. Like, Mass Effect, it's three years. Sorry, Mass Effect Andromeda is out next week. But normally that would mean everyone goes all right well here's all the secrets here's how you get the cool things here's how you like whiz through zelda to like do it before the next big thing comes out and instead people are like no we don't want to like spoil it let people do things in their own way and my only regret is i don't have like i've got katie a copy of it and i'm hoping her and tamra are going to play some in la but i don't have someone in my immediate circle i've just got extended circles of friends playing but can you so then you can see them online and go play not really nintendo's online is a nightmare the friend request is not me you need this huge fucking number and it doesn't really do much and it's no it's dumb but i just want people i can sit down and talk to about it like i've had so many experiences that i want to sit down and be able to say this thing was so cool how did you do it because one of the things that i thought about these when i first saw the advertisement was that feeling of the people playing basketball on the court and then yeah yeah and then after they all take right right so was this idea of oh maybe community 10 10 of her friends can have them and you just get closer to each other and they're all sharing the same game and playing together i mean you can you can do that there's online is notoriously bad nintendo and this game this sorry console hasn't fixed that yet um online problems were very big with Bomberman. Um I haven't tried anything else really yet online. But so, just just the friend management is complicated and a nightmare. It's not like Xbox in any way. In any they way. don't sync with each other like if you have one here and I have one here closer to each other, it doesn't sync oh, into the same game. No. Oh, but that's bullshit because that's what would be cool on this is that because it's portable, 
if five of them could be close to each other I think, and sink into uh, each other. I mean, maybe there's a Bluetooth way with a particular game. I don't think there's a game out yet cool. that does that. Um, God, I can't think what would do that yet. You know, even Bomb playing maybe. any any sort of like racing games or mm-hmm. or or, or, uh, or um, also like sport games, even you have yours there and I have like, like my one here. So we're facing each other and playing. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, because yeah, it's hard cool. that you do this when you play in one screen, when sharing like screen. Right, I see what you're Like saying. if you're sharing screen with a shooting game, shooting game, yeah. it sucks because you can see where the other one is. So this one would give you the chance of playing with all your friends in one table Yeah. and not looking at each other's screen. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of their intentions for the, for sure. And I'm, I think cool. there are definitely games that will do that. Will allow you to hook up. Essentially, like a little miniature land party. Exactly. Like, like you used to do with your old Counter Strike yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. That would be super cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll happen. But for online stuff, it's going to be harder. For couch co-op, Nintendo's great. Um, but for online stuff, it's going to be tougher. For sure. Um, that was all the news. You know, one comment that, that I was thinking of uh, when we were talking about trying to make one episode about. Um, games uh, made yeah. of made for movies yeah but we also have the reverse that often doesn't oh, yeah, work movie. oh completely never works like it's it's driving me absolutely crazy absolutely i think we talked about it the other week mm-hmm. like i was saying how you're always arrogant enough as a creative person to think oh i could figure this out or why can't i get this right <laughs> yes and then you get into the world propping and it's really hard to get <laughs> this stuff sorted. But with computer game adaptations, I've always been like, no, you, of course you can make a good like video game to movie adaptation. But with this year, with you know the director of Moon, with David Bowie's son, like not making an awful film, Warcraft was okay, but not doing an incredible job. And with Assassin's Creed, which is some of the most talented people in the industry in that film, from a producing, acting, scoring, editing, cinematography, directing, like every area of that film, it's filled with talent. And again, it's it's fine. Like, it's certainly not awful, like a lot of video game movies, but it's not great. That's like, makes me worry. Then I'm just like, can anyone actually do this? And I actually haven't seen this. Can you believe? And I'm a big fan of the Assassin game. Creed. Oh, really? Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I, really don't, it. I don't know. But that's the thing. It's like, as a big fan of the game and as someone who's a filmmaker, yeah, I would suggest going to see it. Yeah. But as a normal person, I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't say, oh, you've got to go see Assassin's Creed. Like, it's like, yeah, if you're a fan of the, of the game, there are things you'll enjoy about it for sure. Um, and it looks beautiful, but like, and that just worries me. If people like that can't do a great adaptation, then can anybody? I'm sure someone can, but it's making me lose hope. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but again, I think it might come with indie filmmakers. You know, Mm-mm. it might need smaller films, not these big blockbuster exactly. films. Just like, oh, it has to be an action game. So, well, no action film. I mean, no, why not take a smaller game and do a smaller film? No, and what is, and actually, from that film, like specifically. What's not the actions really? Was about yeah. the characters and going back in time. It's about hitting A. It's, what it's yeah. about climbing up. Everything. Yeah, but getting your gadget together and finding some things and learning uh, uh, about histories. Hanging somehow, out with Leonardo da Vinci. Exactly. <laughs> There's a sort of stuff that is very cool. Yep. Um, yeah, I think. So. Is that again? I keep looking up. People are watching. I'm paranoid because we're not recording to audio this week. We're recording to the video and then yeah. splitting the audio. So if the camera fucks up at any point, we lose the podcast. And it's making me <laughs> palpitate. Yeah, it's really <laughs> anxious. I keep like getting up. Right now. Is it recording? Just wander over. Double check.
We are online. So we are still we're still live. Speaking with the whole world. I like these fireside podcasts where it's just more relaxed. You can mm. get up. I'm aware our food's getting cold. So let's whiz through the rest of the podcast. All right, let's talk about releases very quickly. Uh, the U.S. has on March the 17th, Beauty and the Beast is finally out, directed by Bill Condon, who directed Mr. Holmes and the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2, and Kinsey, starring Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Luke Evans, Emma Thompson, Ian McKellen, Ewan McGregor, Kevin Klein, Stanley Tucci, Josh Gad. There's a whole lot of people. Most of them just voices for the animated characters. Uh, it's an adaptation of the Disney fairy tale about a monstrous looking prince and a young woman who fall in love. That's the official IMDb synopsis. <laughs> so, I'm so angry about this film, Bruno. Why? It's... It looked good for me. It looked like, <sighs> what do you expect from that? And I've, I've got a bunch like a of tale. friends in the industry who have seen this already. There are a few of them who enjoyed it majority of my friends are backing up my worries about it which is i don't understand like i i am a big advocate for reboots mm. i have no problem with the remake or a reboot i think that's great but for me it's like a band doing a cover you do something different you do something new and you adapt it in a fresh perspective with the jungle book one favreau did something different with that like if i didn't really enjoy it personally but it felt like a different movie you know so i kind of admired that um I think he's doing like the Aladdin one or something or the Lion King, the Lion King. Um, but this is a fucking shot for shot. And they've come out saying like, we're basically doing a shot for shot remake of the animated movie. That's what they want to do. Which A, like just regardless of how it looks or the actors or anything, to me is just atrocious. It's like, you know, when they did Psycho and they remade it shot by shot. Do you mm. remember that? Gus Van Sant? No, I can't remember. It's shot by shot. Exactly the same that version of Psycho. It's like, why bother? Like, why? You're not adding anything. You're just pissing all over the original. And this for me is one of those things of like, what is the fucking point of taking an animated film that everybody loves? Like, I've never met someone who doesn't love the original Beauty and the Beast. And then making it in live action. But they say live action, but it's like the Jungle Book. There's not much live action. You know, most of these characters are animated. They're just CGI animated now rather than 2D animated, you yeah. know? So essentially you're making an animated, like, like reimagining of an animated movie and you're doing it nearly shot by shot. So it's like, I don't see the fucking point and it makes me really angry. It really does. Then I just get to looking at the film and for me, I actually like Emma Watson a lot as a person and she's been in the news recently a lot with a lot of political stuff mm. and I think she seems great, like I really do. Mm. I think she holds her own incredibly well mm. and she's a smart lady. Yeah don't think she can act for shit like i'm sorry but i really i've never seen her do any great acting and in this she looks dreadful her accent is that same posh harry potter accent yeah. that to me just doesn't suit this role she doesn't seem genuine as Belle in any way i think the design of the beast looks ridiculous and very cgi um and it just drives me crazy and yeah a lot of my friends who've seen this have said like what is the point of this like they went and saw it and it's like this is just such a pointless movie and they said there's a shot at the end, which I don't... Well, if you've seen the original, it's shot by shot. But there's a scene where everything turns into, like, furniture at the end. And they just burst out laughing because it looks so ridiculous. It was like someone had a yard sale. And everyone else in the cinema was really into it. Mm-hmm. So I think the general public are going to love this. I really do. I think I'll make tons of money and we'll get a load more shit like this where they just don't even have to do new storyboards. No. Just take the old film and exactly. just make it in live action. But for me, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And 
it doesn't annoy me that it got made. It annoys me that people are going to go see it and it's going to make a load of money and we'll get more stuff like this, you know? And that when I say, oh, I love Beauty and the Beast, I'm now going to have to mm. differentiate which one it is because they're basically the same. Plus, if you go see this movie, mm. you're funding Trump because a lot of uh, the money behind Beauty and the Beast goes through Trump. A lot of money behind Disney, to be fair. So, really? So if you want to, uh, yeah, go see a Marvel movie, even you're funding Trump, which is a shame. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> you're excited you got you you're ready for some beauty and the beast uh, it's not the type of film that i would ever seen to be honest um i don't watch that type of films um okay. of course that i have seen the or the yeah the 95 yeah 94 like but i don't watch those new things um no i don't that's because you're on netflix we used to get 70s and 80s movies. <laughs> exactly <laughs> if you want to see a beauty and the beast done differently and i'm not saying done perfectly mm -hmm. at all there's a French version that came out last year called Beauty and the Beast. That's a big budget, just like this. Mm. Like, really, it's just like this. CGI, big budget version. Mm. Not a musical. Mm. Um, it stars Vincent Cassell, I think, because he's in every French movie. Directed by the guy who directed Brotherhood of the Wolf and mm. directed Silent Hill, the first one. Mm. Um, that is way more interesting. Mm. One of the films that I liked from this one is Cars, because it's very trippy. Cars is. I don't even know. I just found it very trippy. Cars is their biggest, like Disney's biggest movie, and most people don't know this, but Cars makes more money in merchandise than Star Wars. That's crazy. Like it makes so much money. Um. Anyway, we also got Train Spotting Two. It's finally coming to America, directed by Danny Boyle, starring again Ewan McGregor, uh, Ewan Bremner, John Lee Miller, Robert well, Carlyle. Like a month ago. Yeah, it came out for us a month ago. We've been doing a Danny Boyle retrospective podcast, which is mm. going along right now, and the last film. Transponding 2 will be going up the day after this. So on March the 18th, you'll be able to get our podcast talking about the film. And then a few days later, we'll be doing a roundup. Uh, but me, Haruka, and Allison watched every Danny Boyle film in order. And yeah, they've been going up. So you can, um, at the moment, they're in this feed. But if you stay to the end of the podcast, I'm going to explain how we're going to be revamping our whole uh, podcast uh, scenario. Uh, Transponding 2, I, I really didn't like it. But... I've never been to see a film with more mixed opinions. Um, some people absolutely loved it. Some people it was better than the first one. Some people hated it. It was a real mixed bag. And actually, of the I, people I was with. remember that you were very excited to see these. Actually, I was really you were super excited. Yeah, exactly. I really was. I really was. As Wait. you know, I don't like much his films. I really like him, but mm -hmm. I don't like his like storytelling at all. I have never seen one film that I liked from him. There really? Was, no, no, I, I don't. I, I, it just doesn't work like. For me, there's always like something on the story that's not me. Okay. How I like it. Yeah, that's crazy. Because what I love about him is yeah. he is like, I mean, I think you feel about him the same way I feel about Kubrick. Like, yeah. I really respect the shit out of Kubrick, but mm. personally, he doesn't speak yeah. to me. And I'm completely nuts about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, they do the same thing. Like, they yeah. both do, every film's a different genre. Yeah, which is super cool. But they keep their own personal voice mm -mm. within each which one. Which is nice. Um, yeah, which is great. But I also didn't, didn't like much the... The original transpiring? No, well, both of them. Oh, the new one. But the second one, I didn't at all. I was yeah, like, I don't oh. like it. I don't like what they do with it. Was a kind of uh, reunion is very difficult to make this work as well, no? Yeah, I just what reunion yeah. films. I've yeah. said all of my opinions on the podcast, so if people want to hear it, go over to there. Uh, and then there's a new Terrence Malick film called Song to Song, starring Ryan Gosling, Natalie Portman, Michael Fassbender, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Val Kilmer, Holly Hunter, Iggy Pop. And fish eye lenses. And fish eye lenses, yep. <laughs> uh, 
the synopsis for this is two intersecting love triangles, obsession and betrayal set against the music scene in Austin, Texas. So they're getting this out just in time for South by Southwest because that's what's happening right now. Mm-mm. What's happening this week? Um, we just watched the trailer for this. Did you like the trailer? Um, I don't know. I couldn't get really the like, story. Yep. Maybe I'm too slow, but I couldn't get it. That's that's no, it's Terrence Malick. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> stories. It's it's just really weird because I always think he makes incredible trailers, but then now I've seen enough of his films to know how it's going to turn out, you know. But I was, yeah, we were just saying like it used to take him 18 years to make a movie, and now since 2011 when he did The Tree of Life, in 2012 then he did Two to Wonder, 2015 he did Night of Cups. 2017 well 2016 he did two documentaries and then this year he's got two films song to song and radigand but his early films are so good right like the, he's so good he's They're like so days of heaven's incredible badlands yes. incredible oh. thin red line the new world yeah like incredible movies incredible films, yeah, really. and i still really love like the tree of life there's bits i love and bits i hate yeah but at least it's interesting you know and even to the wonder there were bits i loved mm. in it um, but he's just making the same film again and again now, and he's doing them so quick. Like he's obviously, and you see how he, you read interviews with him mm. and his actors and how he works. He's just got like a, a spin cycle on of like, oh, you just do it like this, and they just shoot loads of footage, all steady cam, all those super wide lenses, and they just go bam, 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 and then they assemble it into a dreamy mood piece. And I'm normally fine with that, even if it's a mess. I'm like, well, at least it's different, you know. Mm. But a, he's just making the same movie again and again and again. And be the last one, Night Cops. Like, mm. that pissed me off. Like, the character was so impenetrably mm. annoying. Just a good comment from the trailer was the... He's very good in choosing where to shoot, right? Even for the car and, and things, the backgrounds are very nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. His, the cinematography is yeah. beautiful, but it's also once you're in the way he makes stuff, it's kind of easy. Like, it mm. is. Like, it kind of makes me want to go... And I don't mean this... Like, this is going to sound so like pretentiously mm. arrogant... But I kind of just want to go make a Terrence Malick film just to show how easy it is to do something <laughs> like that. Because the way he does it now is such a formula that it's ridiculous. It really is. Um, but yeah, he's made one, two, three, four, five films in the last five years. Which is like, let's just, just slow down. Take a break. Reflect. Write a fucking story. <laughs> I really like... The New World is one of my favorites of his. I really want to see what happens if he makes a film with a story again like that. Um, then in the UK we're getting Beauty and the Beast we're also getting Personal Shopper which is a new film from Oliver Asayas who did Clouds of Sils Maria and Summer Hours starring Kristen Stewart it revolves around a ghost story that takes place in the fashion underworld of Paris we're going to see this with a Q&A from the director mm. in a few days so I haven't even watched the trailer yet so I don't want to know anything about it um, and we're getting Get Out which is the film everyone's talking about in LA right now Mm-mm. um yeah, you just saw the trailer for this because you yes. hadn't heard about it. Does it look intriguing? Uh, it does. I just hope it has a purpose. It's not like just... Weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah. if But if... But I guess if there are many people enjoying it, so I hope it's good. I hope it's something modern. Yep. Like a new like storytelling. Not, not new, but more like fresh fresh like storytelling is always cool yeah i hope so too i like to, i do like when people come from one genre into another genre i think mm-hmm. that's an interesting when you get a comedian doing horror it's interesting mm. um but yeah the trailer just like it looks cool to me but i don't know from the trailer why it's caused such a big fuss 
Mm. Um, I'm worried it's going to be hammering home its kind of racial like um, morality that it's trying mm. to talk about uh, too much, but we'll see. Which is good. It's good as well. Uh, video games, not much um, at all. There's Trove coming to PS4 and there's Kona coming to Xbox One, just little indie things. The reason is because Mass Effect Andromeda is coming out next week, so everyone's out of the way of Mass Effect. <laughs> um, and then Blu-ray releases in the US. We've got Passengers came out this week. Uh, we've got The Love Witch. We've got L. We've got Fences and we've got Collateral Beauty. And in the UK, we've got Planet Earth 2, which is in 4K. We've got The Accountant, also available in 4K. And we've got Nocturnal Animals, The Love Witch, The Light Between Oceans, Pet, and Metropolis, the anime version. Actually, on Planet Earth 2, last week, I went to a Q&A with oh, the really? director and with the producer, yeah. Oh, awesome. I didn't even know they cool. did that, and I suddenly saw it, and I was like, this is, looks great. It's very Planet. cool. Uh, she's super cool. Um, her, yeah. Um, she really talked through the whole journey of making this and how she got in, into this. Uh, so she worked on science, um, and then she did her PhD on science, I, I think as well. But through the journey, she did some internship on BC many years ago or something, and then some, you know, it was a very cool journey to see how it happened. Yeah, yeah. It took like 10 years working to make this, and yeah. she was, talking about the challenges and the, and the crew and it was very cool that's awesome and she's super nice super humble um super cool girl. Yeah, they're the best like, like her. they really it's the one it's one of the few things i'm really proud of for this country is we do make the best natural true like nature documentaries in the world and but one of the things is, is they by listening to, to her is like wow the only BBC could have probably fund something for ten years to yeah oh yeah to you know what I mean to, yeah. to, and but this one's got to be more challenge that they had and this one though has to be something where they have more faith in it because they know how well Planet Earth one did mm. like that initial investment in Planet Earth one knowing that's mm. going to be ten years or eight years or whatever that one was like that's got to have been yeah terrifying um cool nice so what we normally do Bruno is pick which of the films which of the games which of the Blu-rays we would each buy or go see out of the movies coming out in cinemas in the US and UK what are you most excited about which sorry uh, which Beauty and the Beast Trainspotting 2 Song to Song Get Out and Personal Shopper I don't know much about the Personal Shopper so yeah. if you say um, I would probably go for Get Out Get Out cool um, I'm most excited I'm hoping Song to Song's good, but I don't think it's going to be. So I'm most excited for Personal Shopper, even though I don't know much about it. For some reason, I'm pretty excited about that movie. I haven't seen a good spooky movie in a while. Games, there's nothing to choose from, really. Uh, so with Blu-rays, I am going to highlight, and it doesn't mean I think it's the best film. I think L is probably the best film among them. But I'm going to highlight Pet, which was a film that we saw at Fright Fest last year, um, which was actually pretty cool. It's got... Um, Oh, I've forgotten his name now. The guy from Lost and Lord of the Rings. Uh, Dominic something. What is this one? Metropolis, that's an anime version of, you remember the old classic? Yeah. Back, right? There's like an anime version from 2000 something, which is very good. Um, it's finally coming to Blu-ray. But yeah, I'd say Pet is one for people, horror fans to check out, thriller fans to check out. Um, it's quite funny and quite nasty. I'm a bit lost in this because I, 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 I haven't seen those films much. Okay. Um, don't worry. 
Just pick a word you like. <laughs> Just go with that. Maybe f fences, actually, because I Fences. haven't seen it. And I'm the Denzel Washington one? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah, I don't like know much about film. the movie, to be honest. Um, let's just get into box office and then we can get out of here. I was originally, I piled up these games over here, you see, because these are the things I've been playing. Dun, dun. And I wanted to talk about them because there's been a lot of releases this year already. All of these yeah. are this year. Um, and I wanted to go through them, but we've been running too long on this mm. podcast, so I'll talk okay. about them next week. So the top 20 films right now. Number 20, a United Kingdom. Number 19 is Table 19. Number 18 is Bad Jirinaski Dolhania. Number 17 is Moonlight. Number 16 is Rock Dog. Number 15 is A Dog's Purpose. Number 14 is Split. Number 13 is The Great Wall. 12 is Fist Fight. 11 is Lion. 10 is Fifty Shades Darker. 9 is La La Land. 8 is John Wick Chapter 2. 7 is Hidden Figures. 6 is Before I Fall. And here are the top 5 films at the moment. We've got The Lego Batman Movie at number 5. We've got The Shack at number 4. We've got Get Out at number three, Logan, number two, uh, which made a weekend gross of 38 million, which for its second week is pretty damn good. But at number one, new entry with $61 million, Kong Skull Island. Wow. Does he mean that really who like spend more, sell more? Hmm? Like who pays more? Who pays more? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we went to see Kong. Hmm? We went to see Kong. Yes, we did. How do you feel? We didn't talk about it much. We did didn't. you enjoy it? I, I liked the, vi the visuals. Yeah. I like it. We watched in, th in 3D IMAX. 3D. Yeah, that was... IMAX. And it was good. Yeah. I just... It, it's just that sort of film that I think, let's go to the right. Now let's go left. And now right... Now left, and <laughs> yeah. now right, you know, and just like, come on, guys. Just you running know. around constantly. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Visually, very cool. Um, I don't know. I don't believe they would turn these into something that is designed for me as an indie mm -hmm. film. I don't think it's the... Which it is, is weird, considering it's an indie director, like, doing it. Mm. It's strange that this doesn't feel like an indie director directing no. this. This feels like... Other than it does have a lot of personality, I would say. Like, it's got a very strong personality. Mm. It's very confident. Mm. Um, One thing that I thought is that they could have made a bit more dramatic when Kong tried, like, you know, make something more dramatic. When was he first a, appears? Or? Well, when he gets hurt, it was a bit... Oh, okay. I, I didn't feel any emotional... Uh, feelings when... Connection he, with him. Yeah, when... Yeah. Uh, to be honest and I yeah. and when I watched P P Planet of Apes I even felt more in there yeah no for sure I thought no yeah I think they're very different movies like so for me the Planet of the Apes movies the good ones anyway are very smart very sophisticated dramas to be honest with action you know in mm. them. but Kong is I haven't really talked about it much but I put up on my social medias it's mm. like a 200 million dollar B movie um, and you read the fine with that or you're not I think but that's <laughs> what it is like it is a B movie like it is a proper midnight trash movie. The mm -mm. characters are ridiculous. The dialogue is ridiculous. Mm -mm. The the narrative, like, they push the narrative to stupid places, mm -mm. you know, with ridiculous, like, oh, we need to tell this part of the story. And I'm not going to do any spoilers, but... Yeah. So we're just going to literally, like, hand it to you in this dumb way. But it's so embracing that that I really fucking love it. Like, I really enjoyed it. 
I, th- I do think if it wasn't directed as well, the action, like, because the action structured so well, like, it's impeccably well made, mm. like, in the action sequences. Mm. And the CGI, which I normally find difficult, looked phenomenal. Like, mm. I thought it looked incredible. Textures, beautiful. like, everything. And we yeah. saw it on as big a screen as you could possibly see this. Yeah. Um, so I had a ball of a time with it. Like, I just thought it was so mm. much fun, and all the creatures were a load of fun. But you have to go in not expecting anything serious. Like, don't expect anything believable. Except Everyone any, stands around like an action movies. figure, yeah. like it's very dumb. Um, what I don't understand is like there's a good stinger at the end of the movie to do with Godzilla because it's tying into Godzilla versus King Kong. What I don't understand is how they make the universe of Kong Skull Island match with the, the universe of Gareth Edwards' Godzilla from 2014 because his Godzilla was pretty somber and pretty dark and pretty, you know, more grounded. And this is just like a cartoon, like it's crazy. So, how you get those two characters to meet, I don't know, but. Um, I will be there in 2020 to watch King Kong go up against Godzilla for fucking sure. Uh, they have that little throwaway line as well if he's still getting bigger. So I get that. I don't know how much bigger he can get, but holy shit. And I love like, and again, no spoilers, but like he's right in there from the beginning of this movie. Like as soon as they get there, there's no build up. Normally you'd have like, oh, maybe they see something and then they crash and then they have to like yeah. walk for ages and you, you know he's coming. It's like, no, he's fucking there straight exactly. at the beginning. That was bitch cool. slapping the helicopters. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty cool. That was cool. It's refreshingly just, yeah, we don't give a shit. But $200 million on that movie, it's got a long way to go to make its money back. A long way to go. Like, I'm happy it's at number one right now, but that's a lot of money to spend on a B-movie. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it is. Not actually. many movies cost $200 million. No. Um, great. That's it. Cool. Bruno, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you. I hope... Um that I was not too boring or lost. <laughs> not for me. Not for me. <laughs> That's my worry every single week on this podcast. Um, yeah, we are restructuring all of our podcasts so you can get exactly the content that you want. Um, it's going to be happening very soon, but next week I'll announce exactly when. But it will mean from now on, if you just want the Friday the 13th podcast that we do, you can just get that and subscribe to it. And then when we do a new Friday the 13th, it will just go straight to you. You'll get that updated without any of our other stuff. If you just want this podcast where we do our topical stuff, you'll just be able to get this. If you want everything we do, you can get that. Eventually, when we have a lot of horror franchises, like Nightmare on Elm Street we're doing right now, then we're going to do Halloween, Scream, you'll have a horror channel. So you can just subscribe to that. Just go to horror content. We're just separating it all up into exactly what you want. That's very cool. Uh, We're going to be starting a Twin Peaks podcast, I believe, in LA that Katie's going to be running. So you can get that. Um, And our Danny Boyle one will be part of a director's channel that we're going to do where we talk over directors successions of movies uh, but yeah i'll let you know more about that next week but that is coming so don't worry the feed at the moment is pretty busy we've got like six podcasts going up a week right now and that's going to be easier then to digest you just might have to go and subscribe to some other stuff um but for right now you can do that by heading over to itunes and typing in we are geeks and just subscribing uh to our channel that would help us out if you could leave us a star rating thank you very much um and then you can go over to we are tessellate we are tessellate with two S's and two L's. And you can uh, get out to all our social medias there. You can follow us um, when you can watch a bunch of our movies, listen to our music. Because we're a production company run out of LA, run out of Tokyo, run out of London. And we are making our first feature film right now called Starfish. And we'll be updating more about that. If you want to follow me, you can go to Mr. Al White on every social media. Also on Xbox if you want to play video games with me. Bruno Centafanti, how can people talk to you about your movie and other things that you're doing uh they can search me online as well i am at bruno centofanti which is 
Bruno, B-R-U-N-O, C-E-N-E-T-O-F-A-N-E-T-I. Probably easier to just Google Bruno Cento F and it probably <laughs> shows my full name and you find my page and everything else. Do you have stuff for your company website still? My company? Mm, yeah, yeah, we are just rebranding this. Rebranding, okay. So we won't talk about moment. that right now. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, you can find some of, some of my stuff in there. And people go to the London Sci-Fi Film Festival on March the 15th? Sorry, April 27th. Sorry. Oh, I'm, I was completely <laughs> fucking off. <laughs> <laughs> on April the 27th, you go to March London Sci-Fi Festival. Yeah, before Go the see film. the film. Caught. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was waiting to see yeah, you. You looked a little caught. scared. And go see the film Caught, your short film, and uh, we'll be How to Be Human will be playing before. Yes. It's going to be good. Thank you, my friend. Please come and join us. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll be there as well. So if you yes. want to come meet us, then go to that. Yeah. All right. We'll be back next week with episode 68. Until then, we're out. Ooh. Let's go eat some food. Yes. Oh, boy.